0: All right, welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. So we're going to try something a little different with this one. Um, So we have with me weekly, we think, (laughs) we'll see how this goes, uh, Mike Donahue, who you remember from the Bear Podcast last year. We're going to put Mike's idyllic memory for bears and cubs stuff to uh, the test with a segment that I'm loosely calling Mike and Andy. Reminisce about some crap, and <laughs> it's eloquent. Yes, oh, well, I want to make sure I don't get sued by David Roth at Defector for let's remember some guys. So you and I are going to reminisce about some crap. It's completely different. Uh, so the basic idea is we're going to start talking about a guy or a game or something from the either the Bears or the Cubs, and we're just going to see where the hell we end up. And um, I think it'll be it's it's basically we would get off on tangents on the podcast last year. This is. Us purposely going off on tangents. Uh, pure tangent. So, Mike, welcome back. It's good to have you. Thank, thanks, Andy. Uh, how do you want the people to uh, interact with you? Do you want to give your Twitter handle? I don't.
1: No, uh, yeah, Hugh Cub, H U E, the last three letters of my last name. And I should also point out the first four letters are D O N O, not D O N A. H U E. I've, I've seen it both ways. Um, you know, you've seen it both ways. So has everybody in the age of Phil. Well, Donahue. I see it both
0: ways because I've now written it both ways. That's why I've said that's it right. <laughs> yes. I apologize. I, I gave you a nice plug today in the newsletter and managed to spell your name. Wrong. I like,
1: mean, who's that asshole? Donna. Yeah. So you're
0: like, Hugh, you're like shit, right. I got replaced already. Right. Right. And he's
1: less authentic. So Hugh Cub, H U E. And then Cub, of course, it's just a, a handle. I've had it's time immemorial uh, on Twitter. Um, that's pretty much it. Otherwise, uh, you know, don't try to find me, um, but no, that's, that's pretty much, you know, can't say, you, you can't say you're going to find me in section 204 at Wrigley or 440 at Soldier Field. Times are different, but uh, uh, that's, those are the details
0: as I care to give them. So before we get into this, I mean, what did, did the bears, have they done anything for season ticket holders? Have they, have they, I guess, first of all, have they committed, have they basically said we're not gonna be able to have fans all year? Or are they still holding out hope?
1: Nope, nope. They they laid down the official word. Uh, they they kind of greased the runway in late July with a letter uh that wasn't completely affirmative. But then uh August twenty fourth was the whole, you know, um uh, it was about six paragraphs, whatever, whole preamble. And yeah, unfortunately, uh we will not be allowing uh fans in in um uh, in the stands. So it's it's the old what they you know, what all teams do with the Bears. I you know, remember get, getting accustomed to seeing them do in the 80s where they go to the playoffs every year and of course get bounced at home in the first round is the practice of the money's already in the house. It's up to you. You want your cash or you want to leave it, um, uh, you know, leave it as a credit. So we just decided to leave it uh, at this point. So, hey, we're good for 2021 um, if we so choose. We could cash out then. It was pretty straightforward, but yeah, they they had to make the announcement. So it'll be just like our truncated baseball, basketball, and hockey seasons. Um, and of course, it'll be interesting <laughs> considering that football is a collision sport. About I don't know 60, 70 times in a three-hour afternoon. You know, if they can pull this off.
0: But. You don't think it's responsible to play a to play football in the middle of a viral pandemic,
1: you know, just large, sweaty humans, <laughs> like I said, colliding every plate, but I will say, I don't know. I, am not, I'm not too much of a cynic or skeptic hockey. I, I don't know what hockey's here, but that's kind of a collision sport. I know they're in bubbles and I don't think they're going to be able to do bubbles yeah. in the NFL. So um, I guess the, the, comparison's not at basketball. They rub up to each other uh, football though. It just seems like you're inviting that every single play and, Without a bubble, I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting if they could pull it up, pull it off. They're going to start, so, I mean, I still can't believe it. it was like two days ago. I'm like, wow, it's like a, it's Labor Day. It's
0: going to be here in a week. Oh, I did the same thing. I literally was just coasting along. Yeah, we we didn't have terrible, pre pointless preseason games to thank God inch us towards the or,
1: season or try to sell for at least twenty percent of their value. Yes. <laughs>
0: Okay, so I thought because, because it's the Bears opener on Sunday, we'd we start by focusing on the Bears. and So um, we don't really know the best way to start these things, so i came come up with a couple of questions. So the first question is, and you and I are almost exactly the same age, maybe a year apart, so we may mm-hmm. have the same answer, although I don't think we're going to. Who's okay. the first Bear quarterback you actually remember?
1: I actually am going to have to go with Vince Evans.
0: Oh, good. Okay. That's not yours? No, that's not mine.
1: Okay. So uh just to extrapolate, uh the first season that I have a conscious memory of like following the Bears, same with the Cubs, is nineteen seventy nine. And uh and I think it's fitting. They actually made the playoffs that year and it was a rare thing because it was only their second appearance in sixty three. You know, they had Peyton, and, you know, it was easy to get hooked on Peyton. Uh, they pretty much always played on Sundays because even in spite of Peyton, they, tw- you know, really weren't that good. But in 79, they got off to a good start. But what makes it fitting that my choice is from that team is because that playoff team actually had three quarterbacks that season that gained, you know, that had significant s- snaps. And I'm going to take a guess, uh, Andy, that your first quarterback would be one of the other uh, two. That's
0: exactly so. right. I thought for the longest time that the first one I remembered was Mike Phipps. Uh-huh. But I'm, been. but I'm positive it was Bob Avellini. And I think it was Avellini, probably not from that season, but from later, because he kept Correct. resurfacing.
1: He played as late as September of eighty four. Yeah. That was a good team by then. Ditko's third year. But yeah, he he was and he had been there since seventy five. He was part of the new regime then Jim Finks was hired in seventy five he drafted Peyton he got avelini um I know those two Bob Thomas I think was seventy five he was so yeah he was kind of there forever before you were a fan and you know and just continued so good call
0: but I do re- maybe maybe it's from I'm positive it's Avelini maybe it's from maybe it's from earlier than I think because obviously I do remember vince Evans um I remember thinking vince was was cool he was i was a, kid and he looked cool and he was he seemed big and fast for a quarterback like he every, you know this is what a quarterback i look like of course it's not thankfully what a quarterback is supposed to play like uh but what i remember about it was so he was so i, I thought vince evans was cool and uh obviously i, I thought walter payton was cool and i grew <laughs> up in this little farm town in northern illinois and for my i want to say my seventh or eighth birthday mom asked me what i wanted on my cake because there was a lady who lived in the town who made really good cakes and she would try to decorate it however. They and so I said I wanted Walter Payton on my cake.
1: Like like number thirty four or his jersey or well,
0: No, I wanted like Walter Payton. Like, personified, I, yes, okay. I wanted I wanted to see cake. sweetness right there on the cake. So fitting. Mom calls the lady and says, um, we need to get a cake for Andy's birthday, and he wants to put one of the bears on it. And she's like, oh, yeah, I've done I've done football players. That's not a big deal. And he's like, okay, um, he wants Walter Payton. She's like, okay, Walter Payton. So she writes it down. And apparently what she had done before was she did, she had football players on cakes, but it tended to be for, like, graduation or whatever, and it was the kid. It was, like, right. in his high school jersey. Right. So that prompted a call like a day later with her asking my mom do you know Walter Payton's black <laughs> <laughs> yes yes so that uh, but this is a white chocolate cake that's right Well, <laughs> oh, I can't do that like I don't want to know why you can't do it, but you're going to do it. And so she. And, said,
1: there, and that's and how And somewhere I have a, a picture, and this is how you end up with Bob Avellini on your birthday cake in 1981.
0: <laughs> that's right. It's great. Like no, nope. so she refused to do it. She was like the, it's like the gay wedding cakes.
1: <laughs> she <laughs> refused to do it, court. and I got stuck yeah. with Bob evelini
0: and I hated Bob evelini ever since. My Bob evelini yeah. memory was, and I'm probably this. You, this is why we have you because you'll remember this. I don't remember it exactly. I. Re- I think this is a story that's just been told to me. I don't think I actually remember it, but um, Bears are playing in Seattle. And whatever Bob Adelini did was bad. I'm sure he either fumbled or threw an interception, and the Bears were going to lose. And I threw a tantrum and stormed out of the room, (laughs) to which my dad said to my brother, who's eight years older than me, he's like, Andrew really takes this personally. So that always became like the Bob Avelini thing. It was like my first sign of real fandom was, you know, giving the eight-year-old version of go F yourself to Bob Avelini and storming out of the living room.
1: Now, unfortunately, I can't recall that offhand. I do know they played in the kingdom in a couple of hellish games around 82, 83. That's probably um, when it would have been because that would have been. One, one, I remember a rookie McMahon, it might have been the same game, uh, punted on third down, which I thought was pretty cool. The Bears were like third and 30, and he's out of the shotgun, and he... Uh, and he unleashed one. So I did find a game in 82, um, but he didn't play in that one. So we'd have to dig a little deeper there, um, unless it was 84. I bet you it was 84 because he was still a bear. And that might have been like his last because I know he played for the 84 Bears. And in retrospect, it always struck me as odd because I associate him with these older Bears that were gone by the time yeah. they were good. Dennis Lick. Um, Ted Albrecht, uh, Dan Jiggetts, like these guys, you know, they were not on the 84-85 Bears like Peyton was. They kind of came up with Peyton, uh, but they were gone. I'm like, oh, I forgot that Ambolini that uh, hung around long enough uh, to the 84 season. And I believe he actually got a start in a victory against the Packers, but they played the Seahawks. And at the time, Franco Harris had signed with Seattle. And at the time, Harris and Peyton, at that moment in time, were both like, like they're neck and neck with each other, trailing Jim Brown for the all-time rushing record. Uh, Franco never got him. Pittsburgh had cut him loose and ended up with Seattle. Uh, but I'm looking at a game, September 23rd, 1984, to see if Avellini was in it. And, yes, it was, it was 13 of 26, 119 yards in interception. So not horrible pass completion percentage. But whatever that interception was, was so bad that it required Rusty Lish to come into the game, go six of 12 with two interceptions. So, and yeah, so McMahon was hurt and that's why McMahon would have started that season. So, and and I don't think Evelyn may not have played. I think McMahon may have come back or they picked up Steve Fuller probably by the next week. Um, so there you have it. Your meltdown. I can pretty much nail it was Good. September twenty third, nineteen eighty four. Yeah, McMahon came back the next week against Dallas, and Evelini was no. So that was that. It may have been the last pass Evelini threw. So that, that went
0: out that with helps. a bang. He ruined my. <laughs> I would have been. 11. Well, I was. I was old. I was eleven. I probably shouldn't have been. Well, I'm eleven. I'm allowed to throw tantrums.
1: No, yeah, eleven. 12, I was twelve. Little did I know so, that the
0: Cubs were going to do more horrible things to me. Just a couple weeks later, a weeks later right right on the day that walter payton broke the all-time rushing record
1: that's exactly right yeah and he was even asked about it by brent musburger not like you know as a, as a kid i ate it up like now i'd be like what, are you asking? Well, what do you ask the wall what he cares about the But he was like yeah they're gonna pull it out today no um my my my, my, my i just had you, you said vince evans has a great arm and it's like the one image that sticks with me was and it would be 1979 week two I'm pretty sure it was 79 but, yeah, Evans threw an 80-yard touchdown uh, against the Vikings. And, you know, the Vikings, for you and me, uh, Andy, have generally sort of been, if anything, maybe a little bit of a of a nuisance, but really not a whole lot of consequence. But for people like, I'm sure your older brother, if he's eight years older, and certainly mine, like they were definitely um, a, a feared presence in the 70s within the division. They used to beat this crap out of the Bears all the time. Um, so it was kind of a thrilling thing when rookie Vince Evans got into a game. I, mean, I don't know how. Avelini must have gotten hurt. Uh, but, yeah, Evans didn't ever really catch on with the Bears. And that 79 team ended up with Phipps uh, helming the uh, the offense in the playoff game that they lost in Philadelphia. But, yeah, three-headed monster who sums is, it up.
0: Who was the coach in 79?
1: Uh, Jack, the Neil Armstrong who we used yeah. to like to say we the
0: set the wrong Neil
1: Armstrong to the, to the We set the wrong Neil Armstrong to the moon. Neil Armstrong, the moon. Yeah, and Neil with two L's. By the way, he was uh, yeah, I think he was on Bud Grant's staff in Minnesota. It's
0: more like Neil with ten L's. Ha! <laughs> yeah, that's not, not good.
1: yeah, Neil came after Jack Pardee, and you know Ditka came after Neil.
0: Okay, so those um those eighty four bears actually started five quarterbacks here. they
1: did really
0: yes can you Avel- name the five quarter we got most of them i think there's just one well we uh made.
1: avelini i mentioned lish uh avelini lish mcmahon fuller and oh greg landry
0: greg landry
1: who, uh, who? When I was just doing a little bit of, you know, his background, you know, look on on the Bears' upcoming opponent, historic, from a historical perspective, because as we know, the Detroit Lions have not, have won one, exactly one, entirely one postseason game since Bobby Lane and and the Lions won their third championship in six years in 1957. One playoff game, which we would remember since we were at Northern, was in 1991 when they got thumped in the in the title game. The only playoff appearance that the Lions had between 57 and 9. 1982 was a game in 1970, which I was delighted to learn their quarterback that day was Greg Landry. Good so
0: Lord. <laughs> yeah.
1: Started for the Bears in 84. Five quarterbacks in one year.
0: So Landry played for the Blitz. He did. And they played for, I say this well, I didn't know he was gonna come up, so I didn't look this up. But he did he played he played for the Blitz and then came to the Bears, right?
1: That's right, because the USFL was on the verge of folding by then.
0: So I wonder if he played for the Blitz after they traded everything nope. to Arizona. He put, So he played for George he, Allen? He,
1: he, yeah, he was on the good Blitz. Okay. Because I remember there was a big uh, hullabaloo in Chicago, and they, they signed him. They signed um, Stan White, I want to say. He was a longtime defensive tackle in the NFL. Um, and yeah, they drafted Tim Spencer, who was, you know, and they actually kept him. He would have been a first round pick in the NFL. I can't remember who else. Uh,
0: they had Tremaine Johnson. Remember Tremaine him? Johnson. I love That's Tremaine right. Johnson. Number two,
1: the blitz, you know, art remember artificial turf when the Cubs would like play like in that swamp in St. Louis in July. And they would say like how the temperature on the field would be like 130 degrees or something ridiculous. So, you know, soldier field had that old ass turf in the eighties and, and it just struck me that they actually had a team in Arizona, right. And I don't think they had a dome, but no, I, I remember would guess the, they
0: played at ASU. One then, game
1: got, and, and, and the, w- w- that season was what? It was like March to June. 8th. It wasn't the middle of summer, but I do remember there was one game at soldier field that the temperatures got so hot that, you know, I remember the, the footage like showing one of the blitz cheerleaders being carted off uh, due to high heat. Yeah, I mean, what a miserable thing to be having to play football on artificial turf in 120 degrees.
0: Well, when the Cardinals moved out to Phoenix and played at Frank Kush Stadium at ASU, they couldn't play. They had to they had to find like tricky ways to schedule their games. Which the NFL, there's basically at the time there were three blocks. You either played at Noon Central, 3 Central, uh-huh. or you were the Monday night game. There wasn't any other time to play, but, right, they didn't but even early have sun in, in the season, Frank Cush Stadium, the bleachers are metal. Right. So yeah, the, yeah. ASU played all night games, so it was never an issue. But it was an issue for Cardinal fans who, you know, a 3 o'clock start here, depending on – I can never remember when they – if they either they either do observe daylight savings or they don't. Sometimes it's one hour, sometimes since it's 2. Right. You could be sitting out there at 1 o'clock in the afternoon in – september in it could be 100 degrees and literally the fans butts were getting burned by the metal bleachers
1: like third degree
0: so for for people who don't know i don't know how many people would actually care to remember this although um jeff perlman wrote a really good book um is it football for a buck is that what he called it the famous the lawsuit with the usfl and the nfl Uh, i have to to read that and the usfl got a dollar
1: I've read Perlman's book on the '86 Mets and on Walter Payton, yeah. um, pretty exhaustively researched. So I had I should I should, I want to read that, especially, you know, not that I need any further convincing, you know, you know, when asked Donald Trump yes. is, but oh, yeah, I, he, I believe he had a <laughs> central yes. role.
0: There's a great sometimes you find it on Twitter. There's a great, um, so John Bassett owned the Tampa Bay Bandits, okay, and his daughter was Carling Bassett the tennis player
1: wait you're, you're going over the the plot of first and ten the hbo <laughs> miniseries from the 1980s i'm sorry
0: in the book and then you sometimes you'll find it on twitter because perlman posted it he wrote a great letter to donald trump which he kept a copy of and so you could see what he wrote and as trump was basically ruining the usfl and so you should go find the letter that he wrote him. it's really good so anyway yeah. one of these perlman talks about in the book was the infamous this is how well this league was run. The there were the Arizona Wranglers and the Chicago Blitz. And uh-huh. the owner of the Blitz wanted to go to Arizona. I forget how that, that person worked. Uh-huh. Anyway, they traded franchises. Uh-huh. They traded everything except the uniforms and the logos. And George Allen was the coach of the Blitz. That's and much. when the Wranglers moved to Chicago to become the Blitz, they realized George had taken everything. Like, he took the furniture out of the practice thing, he <laughs> took the chalkboards off the walls, he took everything to arizona so they got there they left every they left that kind of stuff and they uh-huh. came and they didn't have anything they didn't have a they didn't have a water jug they didn't have a first down marker they didn't have a football because george allen packed it all up knowing full well that that stuff was going to be there in arizona he just to be a dick because that's what that's he wants, awesome he I, I, took you, everything with him
1: i remember you told this story last year one of our episodes and we were going riffing on george allen having some good laughs that's a that's astounding
0: ironically he probably took a gatorade jug yes. and as everyone knows that's what Cause killed george Allen. that's right <laughs> <laughs> on a night that was a little too cold to dump gatorade on a 78 right. year old coach which, which they i, did, was, hoping, and he I died. was
1: hoping that might be the end of it uh well that uh, that procedure which by the way is i like to point out and you can see some loose evidence supporting me on the internet the whole dumping, you know, that is so associated with LT and Bill Parcells, but I distinctly recall Dan Hampton and Steve McMichael and the Bears thumped uh, the Minnesota Vikings in that one year after Bud Grant retired, but before he came back in there, his defensive coordinator, Les Steckel yes, was their coach. And they went and had a 3-13 mark. The Bears clinched that division four weeks to go. First you know, division clinching since 63, and uh, but at the end of that game in the Superdome, uh, McMichael, Michael in Hampton dumped a, a Gatorade, not just water, a Gatorade on Ditka. And it was kind of hysterical. And it was, you know, interesting to see how that got hijacked and associated yeah. with the Giants,
0: Giants because Bears did it first. I know Hampton has, it, he's renewed his claims that he is actually the one who invented it, not Harry uh, Carson.
1: That's too bad because he's kind of his own worst advocate. But hey.
0: Uh, that reminds me, though, of one of the great signs at an NFL arena ever was towards the end of the Lesteckel year. Viking fans had a sign that said, less Steckle, more Bud.
1: (laughs) Take that a few ways, man.
0: Yeah, especially given that season, most likely.
1: Right. And then, yeah, Bud came back uh, and then retired again, and we got the perpetual scowl of Jerry Burns. Okay. Lasted a while, you know. I got to say though, the Vikings. I know we're not playing the Vikings this week, but they, they for a while, they seemed to. They've certainly had a little more stability at head coach than the Bears. They, had, they've never really. They had made a few title games and laughably have you know come up painfully short. Um, but if Jerry Burns was there probably six seven years. Dennis Green was there seven eight years. I mean, you know.
0: Yeah, when um, we get when we get to a Viking week, we can run down. All of the tragic ways that they have lost. I know. Oh, that's uh, playoff great. Playoff games. It's yeah. It, the only way it would be better is if all that shit had happened to the Packers. But right, still, right. it's fine. It's fine that happened to the Vikings, but it would be better if it happened to the Packers.
1: The Packers have racked up some yeah. lately. I, that, the, I, my go-to is that Seattle game. Yeah, the, Mike, was in, in the bag in the first the, half.
0: When you when you look at the way they lost playoff games under the Mike McCarthy era, they, yeah. I mean, that team they could have won three Super Bowls. And they're lucky to get the one that they got.
1: Uh, Give me more. If my team's going to suck, at least suffer some pain.
0: All right. So this, um, so the Wikipedia page that I, I was just looking at my, I'm going to look at some bear quarterbacks. At first I looked at this page. There are names everywhere. And I thought, oh, this is listing everybody who's played quarterback for the bears. No, they limited it only to guys who started. And it's still just a bloodbath. So, when do you think the last season that the Bears had a quarterback who started all 16 games?
1: Oh, I think I know this. Was it Jay? It was Jay. But he's got to be got one of the few in the last 30 years. And also, Eric Kramer in 95, um, right? Because 94 was when they signed him. He got hurt, and Steve Walsh took him to the playoffs, and then he he played every snap in 95. Yes. Um, so, Harb- yes. Harbaugh, 93?
0: So... Cutler did it his first year, two thousand nine. Played all sixteen games. Okay. Played fifteen games the next year. Todd Collins got.
1: Oh, that's right, the Carolina game, and they won that game. Right. We talked. We had. We hashed that game over last year. I remember.
0: So you were right, Kramer in ninety five. There's one in between there that I between
1: ninety five and twenty ten. Holy shit.
0: Yes. Only Uh, one. In fact, there's a lot more years of three quarterbacks (laughs) and a four than there is two. But there's one but another,
1: year. another. Oh, uh, well, Rex in, yep. in 2006.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. Rex, oh yeah, Super Bowl year. We had to have.
1: Right, man. He had a good year. You know what the hell? It so happens.
0: In 04, they had. This is quite. A oh,
1: group. Craig Krenzel. <laughs> uh, uh, what's the the baseball player from the Cardinals? Yeah. Uh, Chad Hutchinson. Chad
0: Hutchinson. And then uh, the worst. Jonathan quarterback. Quinn yeah.
1: and, and Rex Gross. Yeah, so, Jonathan Quinn was just unbelievably yeah. bad.
0: He was literally afraid
1: to play quarterback. Yep. Yeah, that was their plan going into that year. You know, Rex looked good, you know, in his few starts in late 03 when they finally let him play and looked okay early in 04. Gets hurt in Minnesota. Quinn looks terrible again in the two snaps at the end of the game. And then it got worse from there. And I was like, well, how Like, how did they misfire on that so much? He was their backup. It should have been, yeah. It wasn't like an emergency situation.
0: Okay, so Kramer in 95. And then it ha- they they did it.
1: Was it Harbaugh in ninety three? Did he do it too?
0: He did it ninety one.
1: But not in ninety three. Okay.
0: Ninety three. Peter Tom Willis got a start.
1: Isn't yeah, when they're Cleveland, out of the
0: maybe?
1: maybe. Yeah, uh, or maybe you're right. Will Fuhrer. No, 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 it was Cleveland, Cleveland, dude. I remember watching that game on uh on one fifty five Harrison and DeKalb. Uh yeah, it was Cleveland that Right.
0: Because the year before, in ninety two, Harbaugh got thirteen starts, P T got two, and Will Fuhrer got his start.
1: And Dallas at the last game of the season. Oh, that's
0: right, Dallas. Yeah, And then so Harbaugh in 91, you have to go all the way back to 81 with Evans. And
1: it's it's amazing.
0: So you think think about how like uh, Eli Manning started every game for like a decade for the Giants. And Favre had that ridiculous streak. And then you look at this bear thing. Mm -hmm. And I I hate it when we're going to get it. We're going to get it on Sunday. We get it all the time they're gonna we're gonna see the because there was a quarterback right. controversy. we are gonna a, get we're gonna get the stupid right. chart with all well, of least, the names okay.
1: On. Okay. Yeah. Well at least it's not a new quarterback because then they would just say, here's the like the McDonald's sign that flips. I mean
0: Yeah million, <laughs> at least our at least our quarterback passes incomplete. <laughs> right. Bears quarterbacks. Um but yeah I mean it's just So you know, well, Steve so what's that Stenstrom t- got seven starts in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, Moses so, Moreno got a start in '98.
1: Yeah, yeah, he got the Wolf Your start of that. Dave season. Craig
0: and his tiny hands in '96.
1: Yeah, I remember that season, and yeah, they still would have made the playoffs. That Jim Flanagan caught the goddamn pass in yeah. Denver, by the way.
0: Yeah. Not, not so, to, not you know, not to besmirch the great Dave Wanstead. Just
1: throwing a pass to a defensive tackle, right?
0: Maybe, maybe actually throw the ball to an offensive player. <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. Because you got him lined up at tight end, so it's not like you're actually hiding him. He's yeah. eligible, and they know it. There's no sneak there. Do you, do but he was open.
1: A... Flanagan did drop it. But yes, it's still, true. Your point stands. It wasn't like they defended it. So what was that? then? so it was. It was just. It was all. No. Court. No Bears quarterback has done it more than once in our lifetime. Right. It's all unique cases. Started every single game. Cutler yeah. only did it once. Harbaugh did it 91. Grossman did it. Vince Evans, and that's it. Right. Four. Four and 40 years.
0: Um, well, no, oh, it, because, but we wouldn't have remembered these, uh, Bobby Douglas in 72. Yeah, no,
1: but in the last 40 in our lifetime, but yeah. Okay. Douglas yeah. is the next and one then, after, before Evans.
0: Actually, if you, it, we can do the proviso at once that, once they went to 16 games, <laughs> which it's would be only like been, it's only been 78. Is
1: that? Okay.
0: 1978. Yeah. Then it's only been Evans. Harbaugh, yep. Kramer, Grossman, Grossman Cutler. Okay. Oh, Mitch almost did it last year, except for the he did, really except for the landing on his shoulder because he started yeah. fifteen games and he started well, fourteen the year before.
1: And the year before he started quite a few. Yeah.
0: Yes, he has started twenty-nine of the last. Oh, even more than that because he, whenever he took over for Glennon, he's probably started forty-one of the last. Forty-four games. Well,
1: he's getting up there, you know. I mean, Cutler. Uh, it didn't take Cutler long. He just had to stay healthy because he was, you know, he was elite enough statistically to put up numbers. But it didn't really take him long to become the all-time Bears record holder in all kinds of categories. You know, like that Luckman record was just low-hanging fruit in the 21st century.
0: Well, this—how many times do you think Sid Luckman started every game?
1: Uh, five, six, seven, exactly. Yeah, right. Once. What?
0: He did it once. Uh, but they did this weird... Did well, actually, I know why. Because they had multiple... So that's not fair. Because the, well, the, in the T, like, they have... When they get back to his years, it says Sid Luckman slash Bernie Masterson. Okay. Sid Luckman slash Charlie O'Rourke. So they were... Basically, they probably Seems just listed them like at, like, semantics. back. And then yeah. he was the one taking all the stamps. But yeah I'm
1: looking at, I, there is a we so yeah he only technically did it twice but but then okay. after,
0: after the war <laughs> apparently Sid was yeah. off injured because he's at, he's literally splitting time with uh, like Mike Jormaluk. he's got three starts okay whoever that is and then his last year he split time with Johnny Lou Jack and George Blanda
1: and did he not also sh- uh, split time with Bobby Lane or uh, I thought he may have So, yeah, George Blanda. Okay. Um, As my dad will point out, George Blanda, pretty good linebacker, terrible quarterback. He used it as his indictment of the AFL when Blanda came in and threw like 80 touchdown passes.
0: And a kicker. He ended up
1: having an extraordinary career. There's there's a there's a Happy Days episode, which, of course, Happy Days is a show that was filmed in the 70s, but portrays the 50s. And the joke in the 70s was they're watching the TV and the references made to Blanda and it's taking place in the 50s. And, of course, something along the lines of Mr. Cunningham saying, Blanda, he's still playing.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: but yeah. I mean, yeah, Blanda played from hey. 48 to 74.
0: I think Happy Days was not big on the continuity. They literally forgot one of the kids have chuck chuck and in the finale chuck is never mentioned i mean chuck was dribbling a basketball through the first whole season upstairs yeah, and yeah. then when when mrs c talks about her kids at the end she only mentions richie and joey so what did chuck do man well, he That's got harsh she, she wrote him out of the family yeah okay um who was the first bear jersey that you owned
1: Okay. I want to, I'll take this one because I have to hear yours. Uh, Mine will not be a surprise to anyone probably born anywhere within 150 miles of Chicago between 1968, and 1979. Um, and of course it'd be Walter Payton. I'd only like to add the one, the only reason I remember I had that Jersey and I know it had to be my first one, uh, my dad took us to a Cubs game in 1980 and uh, as would be the case, because there were five kids, although not all the kids went, I had brothers that were older, but we would sit in the bleachers, you know, good, whole, wholesome family fun or more like, you know, I can afford to take my family of five and sit in the bleachers. It was a great life experience, but we got down there early for batting practice and I brought my glove and apparently I was wearing my Walter Payton Jersey. And before the game, um, I was trying to get, and I was like in the third row and I stood up and uh, shouted for a ball. And uh, the eventual rookie of the year uh, of the LA Dodgers, Steve Howe turned around and he was talking to a teammate. <laughs> I didn't notice if he had, you know, any kind of you know booger sugar dripping down <laughs> from his nose. But uh, in any event, he, you know, he kind of like pointed to me as my dad would point out because I was wearing a Peyton jersey, like who goes to a Cubs game, you know, wearing, uh, but you know, it's how huge Peyton was too. Um, but then he proceeded to throw the ball and it fell two rows short. Mm. So, and you know, back then no, no one's going to make a big deal out of a kid getting a ball. So it was like, Hey, give him another one. You know, it was like, all right, the guy in front got it. Nobody cared. You go on with your life. Uh, I'm more mad at Steve Howell than the guy that took it. Cause again, I don't think the ethic back then was, it mattered, cause, you know, that a kid didn't get it, but, um, It was it was the fact that I was wearing a Walter Payton jersey that I think kinda got Steve Howe's attention. So that's my anecdote to go with what would otherwise be an obvious answer. Right,
0: Andy? You would think so. I don't know (laughs) why, but my first jersey that I ever got this is ridiculous was Roland Harper.
1: You know, rolling <laughs> 991 yards. I want to say the year paid, they almost had two running backs with a thousand yards. Like, I'm sorry, we're out of 35 yes, minutes. we got we do a, have 35. We got a 35.
0: <laughs> so there was a sporting goods uh, store in one of the malls in Rockford, and I asked for um, a Bears jersey, probably for my birthday because it's December. Yep. And so, <clears throat> mom was going to town, and dad's like, "Hey, you know, get him a." Get him a jersey and uh, put off. and put uh, and put his na- put his name on it. Oh, okay, they'll do that. They would print the name on it. So she comes back and she's got she pulls the jersey out of the box to show dad, uh-huh. and it's thirty five. And he's like, "Oh, what the hell?" She flips it over and it says Andy on the back. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Well, shit! I guess I didn't specify that it should be the last name." So, but I was a little kid, so they gave it to me, and I wore that thing a lot. I'm sure I wore it until the numbers, you know, wore off of it. Sure, um, you
1: made, made you kind of a hipster. Like well, everyone else has got their Walter Payton I, or- I
0: wonder if psychologically, it's the reason that I've always gravitated towards. Like I always like the best player on the team, but I always find like I'm, I always make more of a connection with somebody else. I mean, that's how I go through life as a Louis Valbuena fan. Um, sure. Or, you know, I always loved Michael Jordan, but I always had, like, Scotty was my guy. I loved Scotty Pippen. Yeah. And I wonder villain. if, you know, Sean Duster was my favorite cub. Right, for right. Most Not of my life. I you. Gotcha, I you. Gotcha. So maybe that's, maybe that's why. But yeah, I got the, uh, and it was a. It was probably the same kind of jersey you had. it was. You know, it was it was like double nylon, and it was long. You know, it had like the thing went down almost Long-ish. like a baseball. It wasn't a, like, right. Right. It was a long. Sleeve. Came like it halfway long, down, down your sleeve. forearm. Yeah, it was best and it had, But it did have the iconic. You know, it had the orange and blue stripes. The on stripes them. around. They, it. they were yeah. sewn around the thing. But okay. Then, but then it had. It didn't have the. You know, it didn't have the right. Although they had kind of block numbers back then. Okay. They had shifted away from the cool ones we see now. Okay. They went to more of a block for just a few years and then back to those. Um, but it said bears on it, which, of course, is all wrong. Right. Uh, but but they all said it. No matter what you got. If you got the team, they had the name.
1: I, my patent said bears along the top. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like what they have now when they've gotten so much more,
0: uh, I guess, licensed. And well, now a kid wouldn't even wear that. They'd be like, ah, screw that. That's not authentic. Right. Screw right. that. But yes, I had a Roland Harper jersey.
1: Well, it's funny Andy because on the back of it, um, Andy Andy might be the best part. Like, yeah. what do you do it? Yeah, you know, good thing you wore. Like, what, I mean, <laughs> would he give it to Andy the clown at Comiskey Park or like just Andy?
0: Well, I don't know if Dad. I I doubt Dad ever told Mom. That, right, that that he wanted to break wrong. her heart. Yeah, he's probably yeah. like he's a kid. He's a kid. Screw him. He can win uh, it. It'll be fine. Right. 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 But yes, and, and Andy on the back. Of <sighs> All yeah, right, so quick... so the Bears are playing the Lions this week. And you said you have some Lion specific something.
1: Just, you know, just sort of uh give us some content. I think uh delve a little bit. You know, we have sort of uh you know the ancient history, recent history. You know, I I I'm not really speaking to what's going on right now. I haven't really paid close attention to the Bears, but you know, when you, when, you, when you consider the line, let's just take a minute, and this is not an excuse for the franchise for whom we have rooted for 40 years and have paid us so little. Uh, in fact, I think sometimes just picking on other franchises can make you feel a little bit better, and it's really easy to do when you look at Detroit, regardless of what happened Sunday. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. They they're the fifth oldest franchise in the NFL. They've been around uh, since 1930. So uh, we're 80, 80 years into this thing now, and they have appeared in a total of five NFL championship games. Um, And it all sort of encompasses one era for the most part. I think, yeah, five. They won three out of four in the 50s, and that's it. And it's just one of those things. You know, we're Cubs fans, Andy, so, you know, our streak is over. But I always kind of felt, you know, who would be the – are the Cubs so unparalleled that there – is there an analog to other leagues? Uh, Well, who would be the Cubs of the NFL? And it's hard not to really look at, like, the Lions, except they don't really have any sort of – endearing quality (laughs) they don't really really have that warmth um i mean seriously it's 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 just it makes me grateful it makes is as horrible as it's been watching the bears you're looking at a franchise that has won one playoff game since the uh second eisenhower administration Juan, just Juan, like they went from 1957 and and that was a, that was a great, that was a great franchise, which, you know, for point of fact, from a historical perspective, they kind of benefited from a a misstep by the bears because the aforementioned Sid Luckman, who of course engineered the bears golden age himself when they won, uh, you know, four championships in six seasons in the early forties. Um, when Luckman was getting old, and, and I referenced this, we talked about it tonight, uh, uh, Hallis had Johnny Lujak and Bobby Lane, and he uh, he elected to, um, you know, is is the person to succeed Luckman. He went with Lujak, and it was hard to fault that decision at the time. Johnny Lujak was a Heisman winner from Notre Dame. His pedigree – Basically, uh, you know, screamed it. And uh, Bobby Lane was some hayseed from Louisville. I mean, who comes from Louisville outside of Bears linebackers that were number 55, like Doug Buffon and Otis Wilson? <laughs> Uh, Lane was obviously fantastic. They went, they they go to the title game five times. They were four times. They win three of them. Last one in '57, and between 1957 and 1982, they make one playoff uh, appearance in 1970. Okay, any team can have you know three decades of badness. They and they, but they it takes them all the way until the '91 season where they actually win a playoff game when future Bear Eric Kramer just sort of. Besieged Jimmy Johnson's Dallas Cowboys, which admittedly was enjoyable um, before Dallas finally kind of came around. Always good to see Jimmy get his come up. And s- Sorry, I've still got some Notre Dame wounds <laughs> from when he was at Miami. Um, that's it. So so you're going from 1957 to 1991 with one playoff win. And now, hey, 1991 to you and me, it seems like not that long ago, but obviously it's almost a 30, 30 more years. So, you know, and I can point out as a point of fact, and I have to, because Chip carry alert. Honesty compels me to admit mm-hmm. this: that um, in spite of their ineptitude, and in spite of the Cleveland Browns' ineptitude, uh, I do have to point out that as much as you know we can dump on them, that both of those teams actually have more NFL championships than our very beloved Bears since 1946, because the Bears have only won two. Nevertheless, I wouldn't trade uh, the last fifty years uh, with what they have going on in Detroit, because it's just, yeah. That's all I got from the historical that's just me dumping on the lines uh historically. It's really easy to do with them.
0: So I lived I lived in Traverse City, Michigan for 3 years and went up there and Traverse City's nice. It's very nice. I mean yeah. if you
1: visit, I mean the lake, I mean it's beautiful up there.
0: It's very it's beautiful. Uh if you like winter and you like it to last a long time. Well, it's yeah. a, it's a great place. <laughs> it's great in July. Um I'm sure I've told this story on the podcast for The last year we were up there, we moved back in um in August, and it had been such a long winter and cold summer that we went kayaking just to get on the lake for the first time that year, and you did not want to tip out of the kayak, because you would have froze your <laughs> It was August, and the lake was that cold. Anyway, there were no Lions fans up there. It was all Bear fans and Packer fans. Is that right? And then it had to be, for, obviously there's a lot of transplants, but also there was nothing... Like if the Lions had been good in recent years, there I'm sure that some of that would have filtered up. But I thought I was going to go up there, and it was going to be you know like I'm going to have to. I knew there'd be Packer fans because Traverse City is straight across the lake from Green Bay.
1: Seeing some old timer in a Billy Sims jersey,
0: but there was none of that. It was everybody I met was now the it was Packers mostly, fans it was mostly Bear fans.
1: No, see the Packers fan, the Packers fan, I, I would agree. Granted, they're on the other side of the lake there still, but there's just something about them. Um, and Bears fans surprises me all the way up there, huh?
0: I was not. I was not alone. The only thing I got crap for was when I wore my uh if I wore a Blackhawk shirt.
1: Okay, that's going to especially ignite
0: the a, and the Red Wings had training camp in Traverse City, so that was even especially. But otherwise, Cubs stuff when, that wait, was not a problem.
1: When were you there? You, I know you weren't there for too long. But what years were
0: you there? I was there from, um. 11 to 14.
1: Okay. So kind of in the, you were there when the, when the Hawks knocked off the Red Wings yes. in 13, so that's fun. I that was, that
0: was. That was a good day going to work yeah. the next morning. Yeah.
1: The hockey will tend to trigger them more, especially in the heels of the Red Wings. You know, pretty impressive run. The Lions, what are you going to say, right? And I mean, what do you say as a Bears fan when somebody comes around? So. Uh, it, maybe yeah maybe they're just not that present because of who that team is i don't know but i guess that doesn't always stop paris fans does it
0: so one of the guys i worked with he had a he worked weekends at menards and that menards was like the closest like home improvement thing to sault Ste. marie and so there were people would come down from the sioux to get, like, he they would come down in, like, a station wagon, and they mm-hmm. would buy, like, you know, 300 pounds of pavers and put them in the station wagon. <laughs> there was,
1: wait, there's nothing between... No, there was nothing between St. <laughs> no, S- S- Marie. Sous- Tra- right, I, I, I kind of know that area. Sioux St. Marie's on the <laughs> other side of St. Ignace, or am I got that wrong? Uh, on, on the echo, like, when
0: you head up I, towards Marconoff. Honestly, I couldn't. T- I, I, but we, that's way up there. Yeah. Though. Okay. So they would come all the way down to Traverse City, go to Menards. And his whole thing was, they you know, him and his him and the guys he worked with would help load the car, and they'd be like, "Just get out of the parking lot before the axle breaks. Get far enough away that we don't have to help you." <laughs> 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 yeah, so I'd always think about that. I always think about that. Of all the guys that would come down from the Sioux to uh, you know, well, Traverse City had it all. It had been ours, It's a Home Depot, a Lowe's. Yeah,
1: it is. It is a cool town. So, I mean, there were many worse places to live in Michigan.
0: So the Lions have had some, on top of everything else, have had interesting coaches. Um, Of course, I always think of the great Wayne Fonts and his annoying Hawaiian shirts and smoking his cigar on Monday Night Football as the Bears were getting railroaded by the Niners and missing the playoffs. December of 91. Um, And then there's kind of the lost Bobby Ross years Mm. in there where they were pretty good but never... Like good enough. And he was always pissed, which I always loved. He was.
1: A couple playoff appearances, but yeah. Um What about Gary Moeller? Do you remember that?
0: Oh God, yes.
1: And when the Bears knocked him out of the playoffs, Gary Moeller almost led a team to the... Gary Moeller, who was Bo Shenbeckler's successor until he got into a drunken rage at a restaurant, (laughs) abruptly ended his career. Not ended his career, because he resurfaced with the Lions later, but he was replaced by Lloyd Carr, who finally won that championship for them. But yeah, Moeller kind of showed up in Detroit following... or uh, God, it would be morning with... I don't know who. I can't remember. No, it was 98, 99, but... Um, yeah, it, good times.
0: Right, we had Marty Morningweg who got crap for an overtime game in Champagne.
1: You're going to trigger me by on the way. a really
0: windy day, taking Correct. or electing to kick off, which is, in itself was fine. And yes. I always felt that he well, was unfairly
1: maligned. For electing to kick, it was actually a sound idea because he was factoring in the wind. What happened, and you can look up the box score, is that they got into a third. They got the Bears into like a third and seven. I, you, you can look up the details. And I don't know if it was an incomplete pass or what. They were like at the 30s, like a really long field to go to tap into the wind. And instead of uh, uh, forcing them to kick, which would have been the strategy, he took the penalty, and somehow the Bears converted the third and seventeen, and then got a makeable field goal. So that's the thing. It wasn't. It'll always go down that he gets crap because he uh, he, he he won the toss and elected to kick. No, he got crap because he didn't follow through on the reason he made that decision.
0: No, and there are honestly, if you did it today, if you gave the as a Bear fan, i I wanted them to lose the toss because in today's in, e- in every well in every overtime thing ever because they very rarely have had an offense. It was always seemed like a better idea for the defense to go out, force a three and out, and give you decent field position so you could have one lucky play and kick a field goal and win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, I'm sure that you know, sitting on my couch that day, thinking, "Oh shit," you know, that's going to work. It didn't. But I'm, I guarantee. I remember thinking that it, I'm, I remember being surprised. Oh, I shouldn't be because if you do, you know, today I think people th- people like to think that they're more open to unconventional things. They're really not. Uh, they like it when other teams do unconventional things. <laughs> they won't want their own team to actually do them, unless they work. Um, but I'm sure that I was like I couldn't believe that he was getting that much crap for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the kind of thing that if Belichick does it, and I'm sure he's done it at some point. That he's a genius for it. I mean, that was the guy who, um, when, that was the game, so that was the AFC Championship game the night after the Bears, or the, the, the night that the Bears had beaten the Saints, and they were going to the Super okay. Bowl, and were wa- and watching the game Col- to see Col- who Col- they're going to play. Colts and Patriots. Uh-huh. That was the infamous fourth down where they threw the pass to Kevin Falk. And it it was going to be short of the first down, and Falk didn't catch it anyway. But that was Uh 100% the right... I remember watching, oh shit, we're going to have to play the Patriots. Because it was like 4th and 3, I didn't want to play the Patriots, and I thought for sure, they're going to pick up this first down, the game's over. And Belichick thought the same thing everybody else at home did, is if we give the ball back to Peyton, he's on a roll, he's going to beat us. So we went for it. And he gets crap for that, although not as much because he's Bill Belichick. And when you have, you know... However many rings he's got combined between all of his stops, uh, you become pretty you, much, you become right, inert right. to that, um, right? But right. that wasn't we we still live in a place where everybody wants to, to try the crazy thing, but then when it doesn't work, they're quick to jump on you and tell you how stupid you are that you did it for sure. Yeah, unless you're Dusty Baker and you know, <laughs> that thing is to just leave your starting pitchers in until their arms fall off. Yeah, dude. So the other thing that we've got going on this weekend that um, we talked about on the Bear podcast um, is we spent all last year, all last preseason at least, with the stupid kicker extravaganza. where Matt Nagy turned it into a freaking game show, and Eddie Pinero apparently won it. (laughs) I guess he won the game show. And so – as we got closer and closer to the start of this season, all of a sudden, they brought back the great Cairo Santos, who, remember, kicked for the Bears for like oh a my week. Oh, God.
1: Okay. Thanks so they, for the update.
0: All right. So, they bring Cairo... Oh, you don't even know this, so this is like breaking oh. news. So, they bring yeah, Cairo Santos hey. back because Eddie's got a sore groin. Um, Eddie... I don't know if he still is. Eddie was dating... Um, my niece played volleyball at Paul, and Eddie I've was dating one this, yeah. of her teammates. <laughs> So maybe that's where the sore groin came in. I don't know. But Eddie had a sore groin. So they bring, see what you can so find out there. So they bring Cairo Santos in as insurance. Well, then when they do the roster cut down, Cairo gets cut. She's like, okay, well, this is no problem. Then they put Eddie on the injured, injured reserve. So it's like, do they have a kicker? Well, okay. apparently they do because, as Brad Biggs let us all know today, there is a super special practice squad this year the eight-man practice squad there's four spots where you can protect those players so the you know the way the practice squad works is if you see a guy on, an, on another practice squad and you want him you yep. can have him if you put him on your 53 man right. roster right, right well there's four players that you could protect so that nobody could take them and apparently they get paid a little bit more and sure. josh mccown our old buddy another former bear quarter is on the eagles practice squad He's a 43-year-old right? practice squad member, but he's on the protected practice squad. He gets a little more money, and then he's just going to be the third quarterback in every game, and he doesn't have to sit on the regular roster. Anyway, the long story short, way too late. Um, Cairo Santos is on the Bears practice squad.
1: They burned one of those spots for a kicker, and or he's one. Spots?
0: Well, and he's one of the protected four. Tyler Bray, also one of the protected four. Oh hey. hey you wouldn't want somebody he stealing he him can't off just the practice. Tyler ride. Bray go. So he's the kicker. Because Eddie is out, I think at least I don't know when the designated return is this year. It might be different. It's I think he's out like eight weeks. So we're is gonna re- get we're getting lots of Cairo Santos. All right. So at, he fit into the reminiscing because I remember they signed him um I God, when was that? That was the year before our uh, little double-doing friend.
1: They they had Santos before? I don't even...
0: Yes, they've it, had it Cairo had, Santos one before, and he was, he was injured, and he tried to kick in a game, and that didn't go so well. I, and the I John Fox out, Bears though, yeah. had, to yeah, keep, I, had to keep going for two. It was 2017. It had to be the John Fox era, because I had tuned out during the John Fox era. 2017, he tried. It was. Just uh, he attempted idea. two field goals in two games. He made. Yep. He made one. Okay. And he made a couple extra points. And then okay. His groin go bye bye, and um, but anyway, he's back. The great Cairo Santos well, is the Bears kicker for the first season. Hooray! The Actually, he had been good in Kansas City, but then he got hurt. And that was an issue.
1: Bad timing. I mean, ride that gravy train.
0: But I don't remember who the who he replaced. And this is good to be looking this up right on the actual pack. Although that's kind of the idea behind this podcast. So screw it. Dude. That's don't, right. If you don't like it at home, just, tough. I'm jumping on this rabbit hole. Do
1: you want to follow me? or not.
0: Oof. Three kickers. That, well, of course they had to have three kickers that year because they had to replace Cairo later. That would have been Connor Barth. Remember him, Mike Nugent.
1: Don't remember him. I kind of do.
0: Nugent kicked four games. I would think the four after Cairo. The
1: the John Fox era to me, the John Fox era to me was sort of like um, like the first two years of the Epstein regime. Where I'm just like, I'm just, and I wasn't against the Epstein rebuild. I just knew I don't have to get too emotionally involved in this team for a couple years. I'm going to check back in 2014. Yeah, they were kind of Uh,
0: those years were kind of an excuse to just do other things for a while.
1: Yeah, and so I, I, I know less about those three seasons than probably any other three-year block. So it doesn't surprise me. I don't recall Mike
0: fucking Nugent. Yeah, I knew less about the 2012 Cubs until um, John Greenberg made me write an article about them. Okay, so. <laughs> he wanted me to rank them. <laughs> the players Just said, when I think I'm we, out. Oh, man. We called it the Justin Birkin All-Stars. And okay, that's There great. were some complete – there were literally guys on there that I did not – I had, I did not You know had a, you had
1: a great line that year though about something about um uh <laughs> Brian Lahare's apartment uh all, the All-Star Brian Lahare right it was that 2012 but Rizzo got called up yeah. like that season and
0: then he had Lahare went to the outfield to make room yeah. <laughs> and that was it Brian Lahare was an yeah. All-Star and then out of the league the next season <laughs> I mean that how I mean that happened to Mike Sharperson but he died right <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had an excuse. I don't know about Brian LeHare.
1: Well, it's just, since we since we bring up untimely death, I'll just point out the oddity of the Detroit Lions having a player die on the field of a heart attack during the game, uh, Chuck Hughes, and it was in the early '70s, I think. And uh, if quick, people for a quick moment thought that Dick Butkus had something to do with it, but no, he he had a heart attack. So strange. Just one more bit of trivia for. For you to chew on for Sunday,
0: yeah. Brian Lahier, twenty twelve, was an all star for the Cubs, and in twenty thirteen, he was playing for SoftBank in the Japanese League.
1: Is that yeah. was that his employer team?
0: He kicked it around. He, he came back, played, tried to play for the Indians, played in Columbus and Akron, but never made it back.
1: He never made it back up.
0: Yeah. Man,
1: that's yeah. I might I might have to go down the rabbit hole on that myself. Now you know, like uh, who never saw another major league at bat or uh, appearance so soon after an all-star game ever again
0: i don't even know if my sharp or something is right if he was an all-star no he
1: died a few years later i like it though so yeah. it stays yeah he was on the world series team yeah right. he was a
0: 92 all-star and he um uh, he died in 95
1: 95
0: yeah why the hell was he an all-star 92.
1: Yeah, I, it, might, it might have been, okay. Oh, yeah. You got to have, why the, wouldn't,
0: I mean, why wouldn't this get you in the All-Star team? Well, what, what, why you do two, you think? Well, he had 300. He slugged 394. And he had yeah, yeah, yeah. he had three homers and drove in 36 runs.
1: That's the old rule that also allows Virgil Patrick Hughes to introduce Ron Coomer as former, yes. All, former Cub and All-Star. Because in 1999, somebody had to go from the forlorn Minnesota Twins.
0: Well, and it was... Um, Mike Matheny picked um, Josh Harrison because he wanted a utility player because they were planning to win. What if late yeah, in the game? He a, needs it's like eh, shut up.
1: What a pudding brain! And then there's Sparky Anderson taking Steve Swisher because apparently he did pretty well against Cincinnati. Steve Swisher playing All-Star. the ma-
0: Sparky playing the matchups in the All Star game. <laughs> oh, I like this way. That, I like the way this guy uh, goes up against lefties. We're gonna we're gonna. I, honestly, Sparky probably just thought the name was cool. Swisher.
1: Super like seventy it. sports posted a picture of Sparky today and said Tom Brady is three years older than Sparky was in this picture from 1975.
0: <laughs> yeah, Sparky. Well, the Sparky went white early.
1: He, he was younger than we are today. He was their manager in 1970, and 72, and they went to the series. And he was younger in those years than you and I are today. And he was every bit as is is white. So.
0: It's like Steve Martin. You see a rare picture of Steve Martin with with dark hair and you're like, what the hell? Because he was in his 30s and he went white. So has got
1: the arrow pointing through both sides of his pompadour.
0: All right. I think the toughest part of these is going to be uh, figuring out when we're done.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. I so in case I there's, there's any concern, is like there, when we get to Steve we're, Martin,
0: we're probably done.
1: In case there's any concern, if we could ramble on for bullshit for an hour, I don't. I think those are answered. <laughs> 50, so.
0: Fifty-seven minutes, starting <laughs> with who was your who's the first bear quarterback you remember, and ending with Mike Sharperson, and on That's done. what I want. Is I want somebody to chart the conversations. Just how how do we get from point A to point B? To point whatever.
1: <laughs> My God.
0: So uh, all right, well, Mike, this was fun. Next, yeah, same. next week, we will pick a different topic. Could be, might be the Cubs. might be the Bears going up against the Giants. Probably a little bit of both.
1: Yeah. Uh, might be the Intellivision from 1985 commercials with George Plimpton. So, I, you know, who knows,
0: really. <laughs> All right. Well, until next week.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks. Catch you later. Go Bears.